Okay. Some of you know I have been in, uh, into uh, Africa and I've been in the nation of Uganda and I uh, have been going through a door God has opened. And I, um, I was privileged enough to preach for three days in a, uh, in a refugee camp. And then I was preaching for three days in a uh, kind of a leaders conference in a seven hours away. So it was a lot of travel. And, but I tell you what, God is, God is fulfilling things that he's promised us many, many years ago. This is a season of, I really believe, divine fulfillment. And uh, to give you some testimonies, I was preaching in this refugee camp. And this refugee camp is, uh, it's got so many people in it, but these are the most devastated people. Often they've been victims of atrocities and uh, the, the, the th theme God gave me for the conference, the theme to preach, was you shall surely recover all. From, it's from 1 Samuel 30 when the, the, the enemy raided and took and stole David's wives and his children, all that sort of stuff. I preached it before I went. And how it's God's will that human loss, if you're a kingdom person, be recoverable. And so it was a great theme for these people because they really need their lives to recover. And one of the messages I preached, because on recovery and restoration, was from Psalm 23, David restores my soul. And God was, God was just moving so powerfully through the word. And just, you just know the Holy Spirit was there and heavens were open and people were being touched. And, but this, the, this day I preached on how the soul is the, it's kind of like the leader of the marching band. If the soul prospers, that's why 3 John says, I pray that you've been, your soul prosper and you've been good health. Because your soul's your mind, will and your emotions. And if they're healthy, everything's healthy. Your, your body's healthy, your, everything's healthy. Everything, the soul's the leader. And I said, but sometimes our soul gets damaged. And, uh, and we are not prosperous souls. Our soul is not prospering. And um, we need our soul, David said, to be restored. And I said, the thing that damages our soul so that we cannot prosper is unforgiveness. So my whole message was on the damage of unforgiveness and how, you know, a crippled man came who was twisted. Uh, you know, his body was twisted, and before Jesus healed him, he actually said, your sins are forgiven, because forgiveness can twist you, can, can make you so twisted. And at the end of the message, I just felt the Holy Spirit was saying to me, you can't finish here, you've got to go really deep with these people. And the meeting became like a, like a labor ward. People were just quietly sobbing, but some were really wailing. And I just gave the Holy Spirit time to minister. And at the end, some people crossed from that side of the room over to the other side and took people by the hands and took them in the middle of the room and embraced them and then danced with them. And what was so powerful, as some of us might have watched a, a movie called... Um, Hotel Rwanda. It's about the tragedy in Rwanda where the Tutsis and Hutus genocide. And uh, I didn't realize both tribes were in the camp. And after the word on forgiveness, 
these people who hadn't spoken to each other, they don't go near each other, they don't trade with each other. In fact, if a, if a Tutsi comes to buy something off a Hutu in the camp, he, he multiplies the price four times. But these people, these Tutsis, went over and embraced the Hutus and actually there was great reconciliation. And then people went from all over the tent reconciling. It was so powerful. It was so, so powerful. I didn't understand it at first, but I just knew God was working really, really deep in the human heart, as only he can. So, and then when that happened, there were people from Congo who'd been uh, doing similar things, and they started to reconcile. So it was, it was incredibly powerful. So it was um, it's a, it's just a, uh, my goodness, church, we, to be used like that is just... Uh, People's lives are changed eternally. So, and uh, in the leaders' conference, there was just such empowerment for the leaders and such, I don't know, the heavens were so open that at the end, three times the leaders, they sent delegations to me saying, will you stay two more days? <laughs> and I said, I've preached 25 times in six days. <laughs> and each message is an hour. So I said, I've, I'm done. I've, I, I really would like to stay, but uh, I had to go. So, you know, uh, it was just, uh, of all the trips that I've done, and I've done, I think now, over 40, this was probably my favorite because it was so powerful. To see this reconciliation in the refugee camp, it, it was like, hasn't happened. Like been, They've been waiting for this kind of 15, 20 years it's been going on. And something really big broke over there. I mean, something massive broke. For people that have committed genocide in your family, to forgive them, that's divine. Only God can be at work. Only God. <laughs> Maybe you had to be there. But anyway, I was very excited. Praise God. Someone can say it's just amazing. Really quite amazing. So, uh, I am going to try to preach to you this morning um, from the book of uh, Hannah. I really believe this is a now word for us today. I believe this is, um, it's not just a, a, a biblical message I want to bring to you, but I believe God's got really something to say to some people here today. I think it's a, it's a now word, it's a prophetic word. And I, I, you can just follow along, but I don't want to read the whole chapter, but this, this passage is about a woman called Hannah. And some of us know this woman is barren. She can't have children. This is what the, the passage is about. And she's living in a home, and she's got a husband called Elkanah. And Elkanah has another wife and many children. And uh, the other wife's name is Penina. And she has many children, but Hannah has none, it says in verse 2. And every year, Elkanah would take his husband up to Jerusalem, Shiloh to worship. And um, when he would make an offering, it says he would give two portions. He would give a double portion to Hannah, uh, for he loved Hannah. And this is a key bit of the passage, because the Lord had closed her womb. And there's another character in the story, not Elkanah, but Penina, who's Elkanah's other wife. And the Bible says that 
Her rival also provoked Hannah severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year, year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. So I'm going to go on further uh, to the passage a bit later. But um, here's a woman. And it's important to know that her womb is closed and God has done it. And so she's in a barren place and God has made a barren and she's not aware that her personal condition is reflective of the whole nation of Israel and, and that God is about to change the whole nation of Israel through this woman. This woman is going to give birth to the prophet because the prophet always precedes the kingdom. And this man is, this prophetic man is going to anoint David to bring Israel back to its, its peak. And, and she's not aware of this, but, but her purpose and her calling, her purpose and her calling is to birth this prophetic movement, to birth the prophet. And that's her calling. And that's her kingdom purpose, if you like. And God's going to use it to bring the whole nation of Israel back to himself. But it says year after year, she's in a condition where she's being provoked and she's weeping and she's not eating. And her husband's given a double portion saying, how come you don't love me or don't you know I love you? And she has this calling, she has this purpose, but she's not living in it. And so she's, she's someone who has this destiny within her, but she's not living in it. And Elkanah, if you like, is, he's actually part of her problem. He's a husband, and he's coming up and he's saying to her, uh, look, you look miserable, and you're not in the place that I know you should be. And he gives her a double portion. And um, does that to compensate for what's missing in her life. So he's giving her a double portion to compensate what she doesn't have. And really what's happening when she, he's doing that, he's actually enabling her to remain outside of the place that God has destined for her to be. So she's not in the place she's supposed to be. And, and he's looking at her, she's miserable, and he's, he's giving her double but he doesn't realize he's actually enabling her to stay in a place where she's not really supposed to be. That's not her destiny. And she's miserable. She's weeping. And he, he <coughs> this man, he, he's thinking he's helping her. But she settles into this place. She settles into this routine in her life. Year after year, it's the same thing, where nothing's happening, and she's just, uh, she's weeping, she's miserable, and she settles into a place of, uh, I would call it spiritual complacency, where she's, she's, just, she's just in a place where she's, n she's not fulfilled, um, she's not doing what she's called to do, and, uh, you know, it's a lesson here. When someone is not doing well, sometimes we can, we can reach out and try to help them in the flesh. And we're actually, we actually enable them to stay in a bad place. 
We think we're helping, but God's trying to do something in their life. God's trying to... Her destiny is actually to travail and to intercede and to pray to bring this prophetic into place, but she's not doing that. So she's in a place where instead of praying, instead of being an intercessor, she's actually just weeping, she's frustrated, and, and by giving her, looking at her misery and trying to give a double portion, Elkanah is enabling her behavior. And so she's living in a place of frustration and she's living in a place of complacency, spiritual complacency. And, um, and he's, he's actually making her comfortable. He's actually making her comfortable living in a place where it's not all that God has for her. And, and, and comfortable in God leads to complacency. God doesn't want you comfortable and he doesn't want you complacent. Com spiritual complacency is so deadly, but it's, easy, it's an easy place to get to. And if you arrive there, you often become frustrated because you're not doing what God's created you to do. You're not living in your calling. You're not living in your, your kingdom purpose. And you often blame other people. And so she's in this place of complacency. And all Elkanah's really doing is comforting her, comforting her. She's miserable. She's got this social stigma. She can't have children. And so he's not helping. Sometimes we do this with our children. You know, we, we give them things. We think we're helping them, but we're not. We're actually enabling them to not be their best selves. And so she's, she's in a place where she's not being her best self. And she's got this big problem. It's a big problem. She's barren. And I often think whenever God puts a big problem in front of you, it's because he has a big purpose for you. David had Goliath in front of him, but Goliath revealed David to Israel. So she's got this big problem, but she's also got a big purpose. And whenever you get in that place where you are not living where God has ordained you or called you to be, when you're living outside of your purpose or your kingdom destiny, you know, we are all called, we are all called to not just be ordinary. We are all called before God to be part of his power moving in our life she ended up having a testimony, this woman, of the power of God, turning her barrenness into her abundance. She was, had a barren woman from the same barren womb. She not only had one child, she had six more. And so she's in that place. And uh, whenever you're not in, in a place where you, you, you know you're out of the will of God and you know you've become spiritually complacent, you just know that, the thing that's in you that God's put in you, your, if you like it, your calling, and we've all got different callings, but you've got, out of the, the, you've got out of the will and you're just not living in it. What God did here, he bought Penina. And Penina, it says twice here, her rival also provoked her severely to make her misery because the Lord had closed her womb.
So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Twice it says she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. I had two daughters or three daughters. <laughs> two were provokers. You know, in the morning they'd get up and provoke each other. So I know what provoke it, provocation is. But whenever you get in a place where you are like Hannah and you are not living in what God has for you, and you're not walking into the calling God has for you, you're not moving towards what God's created you to do, God will actually send a provoker. God will actually, he will bring a penina to you to move you out of the place of complacency into the place of purpose. And here comes Penina, and she's provoking this woman, and she's causing her great pain. And, you know, sometimes God, to shift us, has got to bring either people or circumstances that actually bring you to a place where you are going to get out of that comfortable, complacent place or the place that you're just used to, but you know it's not God's best. It's no, you know it's not God's calling. And you know you, what you need to do when you actually realize how God works? You need to praise God for your peninas. You need to praise God for the things that provoke you and move you. You need, you need to give God thanks for those difficult people that have come into your life and God sent them there to either speak against you or whatever it is, but to bring you to a place. See, when she got to a place where she was provoked, twice she was provoked, and Elkanah says, why are you weeping? I'm not, not better than 10 sons. It was then that Hannah rose after they had finished eating and drinking and went into the tabernacle with bitterness of stole and started to cry out to God. Without the provocation, without the provoking penina, Hannah doesn't move. But the provocation moves her and pushes her into the purpose God has for her. The purpose of travailing and crying out to God until God moved and did a miracle for her. And, you know, when I look at this passage, I often think, how come, why is it that God didn't give the baby or Samuel to Penina? Why, did, why didn't you, it just would be simpler, why didn't he give it to Premier? Why did he choose? Why does God choose a barren woman to bring forth his plan? Someone said, I forget who it was, but someone said, God never does what's easy. He does what's divine. God never does what's easy. He does what is divine. If it's easy, you know it's God's, not God's plan for us. If it's, if it's easy and it's just simple, it's not God. The, the fact that it is hard, she's in a hard place. And I've often said God loves a hard place. The fact that her situation is hard... And what she's, God's calling her to believe for is hard. That's how you know it's God. 
when it's difficult, what you're believing for is difficult, what God's calling you into, what you sense He's leading you to, the fact that it's a hard thing or it's a difficult thing, that's how you know it's God. God, as I said, He never does what's easy. He does what's divine. And that's how you know it's God. That's why He got, you know, a boy to kill Goliath. It's hard. Why He got... Uh, a backslider like Jonah to preach revival to Nineveh. That's why he said to a man with a withered hand, Jesus said, stretch it out. It's hard, but it's God. Or the man who had the blind eyes, Jesus spat on his eyes and said, go and walk, wash in the pool of Siloam. He didn't even know where the pool of Siloam was. It was hard to get there, but that's how you know it's God. The fact that, that, that what you're being called into, what God is leading you into, what you feel God's leading you into, you know it's the Holy Spirit when it's hard. You know it's the Holy Spirit when it is difficult. Because that's how God works. He doesn't do what's easy. He, do, he does what is divine, what's going to give Him glory. And so... This Penina pushed her so much. Her provoking, her tormenting, pushed her so much that it actually pushed Hannah into the place which was God's purpose for her. She was provoked into her purpose. And she went into the temple. And the Bible says she, she, she travailed that's what this type of prayer is. And you can hear the type of prayer that she prayed. She was in bitterness of soul. She prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you'll indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. As she continued to pray, Eli thought she was drunk. He says, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrows of spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. And it says, do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace, and the Lord of Israel grant your, position, your petition. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away, and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. And returned and came to the house of Rama. So she, this woman is, is, she's provoked and she goes into the house and she just pours out her heart. She's got this problem. The problem is, includes social disgrace. She's barren, that's social disgrace. Her rival has all these children. In those days, it was a very difficult thing if your woman didn't have children, couldn't give you her husband children. And she's not doing anything. She's been in a place of complacency. And so God brings someone to provoke her, to provoke her. And then she moves from that place of complacency and gets into the place where she just gets face to face with God, where she's honest to God. She pours out her soul to God, which she's never done before. And when she gets in, the, the, the Bible actually says, the prayer, the fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. So God was trying to move her to the place where she would actually pray and, and uh, 
pray fervently, and this is the picture of a fervent prayer. Isaiah 66 says, As soon as Israel travailed, sons and daughters were born to her. So this, this passage is about how this woman who's not living where God wants her to be uh, is, is she's being enabled by someone who's giving her comfort. And, and, and God says, well, to get her out of that place, I'm going to bring a situation or a circumstance which changes things, which pushes her, which provokes her. And so she is provoked out of that place into her purpose where she starts crying out to God and it says when she did that, God remembered her. And I, I feel in my spirit that there are people here that have got into a place of spiritual complacency. You, you've, you've actually, maybe God spoke to you a long time ago about a, a, a purpose, a vision he had for you, whatever, and you've maybe given up on that. And maybe it's been hard for a number of years and you've just settled into a spiritual routine now. And I believe God wants to, he actually wants to provoke you again. And maybe he's doing things in your life and you don't know why those things are happening, but they are the provocations of God. And what we need, if we're actually, see, Hannah was pregnant, although she wasn't physically pregnant, she was pregnant with a kingdom destiny. And if you're pregnant, you know God has called you to do something. You know, the way that, that, that those things are, if you're carrying a promise, the way those promises are, are often produced is through prayer. It's through travailing prayer. It's through, you know, what I love about this, she just took the whole situation to God, which she had no control over, and just handed the whole thing to God. She says, God... You know, this is my situation. I'm in such pain, and I know I'm destined to have children. I just know it in my, in my, in my spirit. This is, my, this is what I'm called to do. She carried that, but she took the whole thing to God. She didn't understand it. She had no control over it, but she cried out to God, told him the whole situation, and then just left it there. And it's a beautiful picture when we actually are honest to God and have it out to God until we actually get into the place of being honest to God, having it out with God, crying out to God, and then handing the whole thing over to God, nothing changes. And, and, but when we get in that place where, where she actually got into a place where she so had it out with God, the thing that was frustrating her, the thing she was carrying, and she took it to God, she cried out to God, she shared the whole thing with God, and she, she knew she had no control over her, her circumstances. It was, needed a miracle of God, but she just poured out her soul to God and told her, him everything about it. And You know, there's a place where you actually, uh, you're honest to God with like that, and you, you speak with God, you pray with God. You're not, these are not bedtime prayers. This is where you're dealing with God about, this is not happening, this is my pain, this is what I'm carrying, this is my kingdom destiny that's not happening, and it's painful, and I'm just, you take it to God, you cry out. There's a time, if you do that, you'll know you've been heard from heaven. And this woman 
She knew when she prayed like that, she'd heard from heaven because the woman went away and ate. Her face was no longer sad. That's because when that happens, you know God's heard your prayer. And the next thing she did, rose in the morning and she worshipped the Lord. And then 12 months later, or nine months later, nine months later, Samuel comes along. Samuel comes along. And, you know, uh, I really believe that Jesus came to give us abundant life. Came to give us abundant life. And sometimes we spiritually are living in the place where Hannah was living physically. She was physically barren, but we are not living the abundant life. That means a life that is full of peace, that is full of joy. It's not like everybody else in the world. Even though our circumstances may be hard, Jesus says, I came to give you a rich, meaningful life, an abundant life, because I'm so, I'm so involved with you. He's the key to abundance. And he is so, he's producing fruitfulness. But we're not living that. And, and our experience is that instead of living in a place of that abundant life that Christ wants to give us, we're actually in a place of spiritual barrenness. And we actually get into a routine where we settle for that. And we actually, we actually convince ourselves that this is really what the normal is. And we find ourselves just trying to, experience comfort and we too arrive in that place of spiritual complacency and Jesus actually wants to bring he actually wants to bring supernatural abundance to your barrenness he actually wants you to say I my heart isn't barren anymore I actually am experiencing his abundance in my life. I'm actually experienced the fullness of his provision in my life. But if you're in a place where you actually have just settled into a routine, like Hannah had, year after year after year, she went up expecting that she just wept, she just, you know, carried on with a miserable, you know, in a misery. Elkanah was enabling her. Then God bought an enabler to move her. He, 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 not an, he bought a provoker to move her. And maybe you, you're in a situation where it, it could be a physical challenge, it could be a, a financial challenge, but actually God's actually trying to provoke you through those things. Things are happening in your life which are unpleasant, but God is actually trying to push you into the place again where you'll cry out to Him, where you'll believe and you will cry out until God moves, because the Word of God says, as soon as Israel travailed, sons and daughters were born to her. And I, 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 I really believe that in my spirit, in my, I just know for many, many people, God is actually saying He wants you to believe your season of barrenness is ending and your season of birthing is beginning. That's not hype. That's the word I believe God was speaking to me over and over and over. That's why I was reading this this morning on the way home from the plane, that the season of barrenness is ending and the season of birthing is beginning. But we have to get into the birthing position. 
What is the birthing position? The birthing position, when you actually know the season's changing, the stuff's happening in your life, but, but you, you're pregnant with a destiny, the birthing p- position is travailing prayer. When Elijah knew there was rain coming, he got his head between his knees. He had that with God, and heaven's open. wasn't until Hannah moved from a place of complacency, that settled place where she just accepted this is all there is, to when she moved out of that place and she got into the birthing position, the travailing prayer position, that her barrenness was not only turned into birthing, it turned into abundance. So I... Maybe there's things that are happening in your life that are unpleasant. Maybe things that are happening in your life that are challenging. There's a possibility that God is, be, God is behind it. You, you may have a penina in your life that is provoking you. In the end, penina is your biggest blessing. Penina is what stops you staying in that place, the settled place of complacency where you actually kind of justify it and say, well, this is, I'm not living an abundant life. I'm not living on all the the promises. I'm not seeing the promises of God in my life, but I've actually come to a place just to accept this is normal and this is how it is, this is how it is real, this is how my life's going to be. If God has made you a promise... If, if you have a, 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 like a calling of God, and I believe we all do in some way, and you haven't seen the, the fullness of it, you haven't seen God produce the whole thing, God will, God will just not, and, and you've, you've backed away from that, and you've just got into a comfortable place, God will not enable you to stay there. He will send things into your life he will send to actually move you forward. He will send you things into your life to make you pray, to pray again, to seek his face again. And I, I, I really believe that some people, you know, God's promised you things. And it's hard. These are hard things to believe for. But that's the evidence you know it's God. And, and some of us have got into a place where we've, we, just, we just think, oh, well, it's, I did believe that once, but I'm, I'm now in a routine where I just, I'm just trying to keep myself comfortable. And I know I'm saved and I'm, you know, I'm a child of God. God hasn't forgotten those things he's promised. And he may be sending things into your life that are hard. Panina is not pleasant, but her provocation provokes Hannah into her purpose. So maybe God is trying to shift you and to believe again and to get into that place where you say, God, I, 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 
I, I know you called me. I know you gave me this promise. Uh, you know, I'm carrying something of the kingdom in me. And uh, I haven't moved into it yet. Well, I, 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 I believe that you need to get into the place with God and actually have it out with him. And study the prayer of Hannah, where she just cries out to God, tells him about the whole thing. Even though she's in bitterness of soul, she weeps in, ang she weeps in anguish. And, uh, and, and, you know, when, when we, we don't need to play, pray religious prayer. We don't need to play correct prayers when we're in that place of, you know, frustration and, and wilderness. What we need to do, we need to be honest to God. And when she was in that place of being honest to God, and she prayed this kingdom prayer, that's not about me, God. If you would just solve my problem, I'll make this solution a kingdom solution. And it says that as soon as she got in that place where she actually had it out with God and believed, God remembered her. And the season of barrenness, the season of barrenness ended and the season of birthing began. So I, I simply believe God is actually saying to you, there are promises that you've forgotten. There are kingdom promises that you've given up on. Kingdom promises that you've given up on and you've settled into a routine. And God is actually trying to stir those things again and saying, I haven't forgotten about them. And it's time to get into the birthing position. It's time to get into the place where we actually travail with God, have it out with God, seek His face until God answers you. And, and like I said, maybe those difficult situations you're going through, they are God provoking you. They are God pushing you, pushing you to get into the place where you seek Him, where you believe for Him, to deal with that barren place in your life, to deal with those barren places in your heart because they're not of God. If you have a place that you feel barren in, that's the place that God wants you to believe for abundance. That's why He has allowed it to be barren so you can experience a touch of His power. Experience a touch of His power. Because God caused her he was the one that closed her womb. He made it barren so that she could experience the, mir the miracle of barrenness turning into abundance. Now, Jesus promised to give you abundant life. And these are types. If you're not experiencing it, don't settle. Don't become complacent. Don't say, this is, this is, this is just how it is. God's trying to push you into the place of Real faith where you say, I, I know Jesus is right. He didn't come to give me a, an ordinary life. He didn't come to be a life like everybody else. He came to give me an abundant life. If you're not experienced that abundant, if you, if you say, I don't know what that is, it means you need to seek God. If you, if you said, I've never really walked in that where I've felt, oh, I'm just so full of joy, I'm so full of peace, I'm so overflowing with the goodness of God in my life. That, that's what Jesus came to give you. 
But if you're in that place of, of, of barrenness, God wants you to believe again. He wants you to get in that place where you say to him, this isn't it, God. You know, for years, Hannah accepted it and never prayed. She never travailed. She didn't pray like this. When she got into the place and she said, God, this, this is not it. This is not it. You've got, you've got something great for my life. You have got something great for my life. And she cried out and travailed, had it out with God. Then she started to praise him before she even received it because she knew she'd been heard by God. God doesn't want you to settle for anything less than an abundant life. Jesus said, I didn't come to give them life, but life in abundance. And I want us to bow our heads. Have you settled? I want us to bow our heads in prayer. Have you got into a place where maybe you've become disappointed with God? Maybe you've got into a place where you think, well, this is for everybody else, but it's not for me. Maybe you've got into a place where you, you've given up on callings. You've given up on that kingdom vision. And maybe you think it's just too hard. The fact that it's hard is a sign that it's God. Maybe those hard circumstances that are in your life are the provocation that God's allowing. But he wants to bring you into a place. He wants to bring you into a place where you actually know he's a God of abundance. This, this barren womb was open not only once, it was open six more times. Six more times. Father God, I, I lift up every person here who is carrying one of those visions, dreams, destinies, callings, and it's hard, Lord. Father, one of those things that you've put in them to believe, and it's hard. Father God, I where people have become disappointed, where people have settled into a place which is less than what you want to give them, Lord. Father God, I'm asking, Lord, that they will move back into that place of believing you, Lord, where they will simply come into that secret place, look to you again, because, Lord, you've told me there is a shift, there's a change in the season. There's this change in the season from barrenness to birthing. And, Father God, you want your people to be in the birth position. You want your people to be like Elijah. With our heads between our knees. Not in busyness, Father, but just seeking you seeking you into the fullness 
of what has been promised is birthed. And Father God, I want to praise you that you are so faithful to your word. You're so faithful to your promise that you will provoke us. You will provoke us to get us back to that place where we are believing you, where we're crying out to you. Thank you, Lord. You want each and every one of us to experience the miracle that Hannah experienced where her barrenness became abundance. That's why Jesus came, to bring abundant life. Father God, I thank you for what's coming. I thank you for the new season. I thank you for what is being birthed in so many people's lives, things they've waited for for so long. I thank you for the season of frustration is ending. The season of barrenness is ending for many. And the things that you've promised us, the things that you've called us to believe for, are bursting forth. Father, we give you praise. Hannah worshipped you before she saw it. We just worship you that you are faithful. There is a birthing season beginning, Lord. There is a birthing season of promises beginning. And we worship you and we praise you. You didn't come to give us barrenness. You came to give us abundance. Abundance of that calling. We give you praise and we give you glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. I hope that made sense to you this morning. It's in my spirit. If it didn't get clear in my words, it's in my spirit. But there is a change in the season. Believe me, believe me, believe me. God is saying,